podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm the best producer, Brandon Sharp. I have the best original screenplay. Call me Mitchell Dupree. And I'm Zach Smith Michaels. And I have a Razzie. And tonight we're pleased to accept our awards because this is a world without the Oscars. So tonight we're going to be doing something a little bit different. And I am now going to throw things over to Zach to explain what we'll be doing. So tonight we're pretending that we're running the Academy and there are no rules. Well, there are rules. We are going to be basing our conversations off the movies that were nominated and the actors that were nominated for this current Oscar season, as was the inspiration for the show. It's debate club. Mitch and I are going to share our opinions and then Brandon is going to judge and give out points based on whose argument he liked more. How are you going to be judging, Brandon, based on what? So the movies that I enjoyed the most probably will play very lightly, in my opinions. I'll try to keep that out. I'll try, I'll try to stay um, objective. I think some of the main things I'll be focusing on are just a well thought out point of view, uh, whether you're able to defend your points of view properly. Uh And I think I'm going to be just relying on my gut for some of these, but I do like a spirited debate. If I can tell you really believe what you're saying, I think that does count for something. So you're not giving out Um, points based on who's the most handsome. This is, this is an audio medium. So that's, that's why we have a shot. We have, we have faces for radio. That's what they, (laughs) that's what they say. (laughs) Um, and not who you like the most. We'll see who I wins. I like both of you. We'll I like both of you equally. We'll see who wins. Well, before we get into the fight, let's first talk about what may be missing from the list of nominations. All the categories are on the table here. Whatever you just feel like is absolutely this thing, person, movie should have been nominated and it was not. I'll go out and say that my favorite movie of last year was the lighthouse and it's a very weird movie it's bizarre it's strange but i was i didn't think it'd be nominated for anything but i was kind of hoping that they would prove me wrong because it's that that kind of movie where i was like maybe i'll be pleasantly surprised but i thought that being that it's a movie that just has two guys in it and both of them have to give game day performances i thought maybe a best actor nom for defoe or pattinson because I think that those are two really, really incredible performances. And it's a little baffling that they're not recognized when there's performances that weren't anywhere near as good as those that are being recognized. I think it's a little niche, probably, for the But Academy, it's nominated right? for Best Cinematography. So I'm like, well, they saw it. So I don't no, know I'm how not the Academy they didn't works. See yeah. it. I'm just saying like it is not an Oscar kind of movie. I, I Which, would anticipate. I haven't seen it. So sure. No, I, and I'm, that's what I was saying. But it, it also has that thing where, well, you've got Defoe, who's kind of like, you know, the, uh, the Academy likes him. So I wasn't expecting best picture, but I was thinking maybe he would get a best actor or best supporting. Let me ask it this way. Are, are they using British accents? No. Is, is anyone giving a speech? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You know. He curses. Oh. He curses someone in the name of. Poseidon we found another like way to diss King's speech. I see. The one that actually I don't get it. I don't understand why it's not there at all because I know they sent out a screener. Is Uncut Gems? Yeah, man. That's mm. like one of the best movies of the year. Easily. 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 And Adam Sandler. 
for him to not receive a nod for best actor to me, it's it's really dumbfounding. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I would agree. Something I read that actually was quite concerning. I saw a little article pop up on Uncut Gems and why it may not have been selected for anything. And one of the I don't quite know how the Academy works, but one of the people who gets to vote was quoted saying that Adam Sandler has a particular brand that is cheesy, dumb comedy movies. And and Leonardo DiCaprio has a brand of being an Oscar contender. And because of those two things. Adam Sandler isn't someone who's going to get selected for a nomination because of his brand. You know, what's weird about that, though, that we've had a wider field in the past for Best Actor. We've had more nominees. So it's not like we have to get rid of Leo. Just add Adam. Right. That's the stupidest thing. Like, essentially, we can't recognize that this performance is good because he's been in movies that are bad. Like that, like as a guy who does casting for stuff now, that's like saying to someone, hey, you were in a show in middle school that probably wasn't very good. So sorry. (laughs) I don't know how the Academy works, but isn't that just kind of like rewarding him for making the bad and punishing him for making the the good? Like, right. He gets money from those bad movies. Mm -hmm. He gets nothing from uncut gems. I mean, he gets paid too, you know, but you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I why yeah, would no, I go back to do those artsy A24 movies if even when I give the performance of my life, no one right. cares? Speaking of the performance of their life, Honey Boy, absolutely nothing yeah, at all. Yeah. Like was Honey Boy was incredibly well directed, incredibly well acted just across the board. I've never seen a movie quite like Honey Boy. And I mean, I almost penciled that in for a couple of nominations and you know for it to get absolutely nothing i just think is a little bizarre if you want to see shia labeouf in a good movie this year that is not yeah. peanut butter falcon you should go out and see honey boy He's... i heard peanut butter falcon was pretty good yeah if you're into that sort of thing okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know what you mean but i know he what you mean you didn't like it also yeah i thought the farewell was great Really great, like really, really, really yeah. well made and worthy of attention. <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful movie. I yeah. have a, I have sort of mixed feelings now because I really wasn't very familiar with Aquafina's work. Like I saw her in Ocean's Eight, and then I watched The Farewell, and I was blown away. And now that I've gone back into like her catalog, she kind of has this history of using what we would call a black scent, which is right. you know to speak like someone who is black and. I, I just I have this like weird feeling now when I see the commercial every six seconds for her new Comedy Central show where I'm like getting all these good things off of the farewell, which was wonderful. Right. But now I feel like I have to reconcile your history of like appropriating someone's culture to get fame. So mm. I don't know. It shouldn't sully my feelings about her performance, but mm. her accompanying success she's receiving because of it. It's I don't know. It's just a little I, I have mixed feelings now. Mitch, any other snubs to add to the. Oh, man. Us to me was like yes. one of the best movies of the year. We've forgotten about it because it came out so long ago. But yeah. Wow. Um, Midsummer was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. for her to not receive a nomination. I, I think it's really insulting by the Academy. Man, I'm getting real right. political tonight. But right. for there to be, you know, there were there were very few nominees of color. Absolutely. Uh, and then for them to take the performance of someone being a slave again, you know, it just felt very like the Academy to mm-hmm. we want this sort of performance. We don't want th- uh, 
what Lupita is <laughs> doing. And that right. that that frustrated me because I think really maybe the best performance I've seen all year was Lupita Nyong'o in that movie. Yeah. So, mm. Yeah. You were about I to say know. mid midsummer, and I was gonna say I think uh, I I get that it's a weird movie, but I think it was the best directed movie of the year. I thought Ari Aster helmed the movie incredibly well, mm-hmm. and I think he was worthy of some recognition. Yeah, I, it's an incredibly well directed. I wouldn't maybe say best of the year, but it's it's up there for me. And uh, that movie shouldn't work, right? But it does because of its direction. So yeah, right. I, I think it should have received some sort of right. nod. And also, when I say best, like the way he directed it is my favorite style of direction of just like letting the camera roll and like just catching everything and blocking the scenes well is something that I I really enjoy. I just think it's a well. It's a very, very well-made movie. You guys ready to fight? I'm ready. Ready to rock and roll here? Yeah, baby. Category number one, what movie does not belong here, does not have a place among these nominations? Let's go to Zach first. Okay. For me, The Irishman is a good old boys club stealing bread out of the children's mouths. I think that people are afraid to say that they don't like this movie because they don't want to get slapped on the wrist by cinephiles. All right. So The Irishman is filled with violence and uses homophobic and racial slurs, which I'm not condemning the movie for. But the three of us, can we agree that those are some edgy choices? Uh, Yeah. Cool. I would agree. So according to the, uh, the New York Times, an undisclosed Academy member said of a different movie. First of all, Hustlers is not an Oscar movie. It's a little too rough around the edges. And I'm assuming some other people in the acting category didn't see it. So to me, Zach, people didn't watch that crime film because it lacked prestige that, you know, the Irishman has in name only. Then another member admitted that as with Hustlers, some voters may not have even bothered to watch Aquafina's The Farewell or Sandler's Uncut Gems. So me, Zach Smith-Michaels, I have to believe that the only reason that they bothered to watch this Netflix movie is simply because of the attached names. I would dare to say that they penciled in this nomination before they even watched The Irishman. And this nomination for The Irishman represents everything wrong with the Academy to me. Oh, <laughs> Wow. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's not overstate the case here. Everything that's wrong with the Academy. <laughs> Can I jump in, Brandon? Do you want to dish yeah. in here? Can I, okay. To quote the movie that I'm picking, all I have are negative thoughts about the Joker. The question <laughs> that we're discussing has two parts to me. What's the worst movie uh, and which one really shouldn't be here? Because really, they're distinct questions. If you don't remember, let me just provide a little context for when this movie came out. To me personally, it had an incredibly provocative, exciting trailer that uh, got me excited to see what is this thing going to be? And then when it came out, there were months of controversy over claims that this was going to incite real violence. The FBI uh, and the military were having warnings issued over the potential for outbursts of incel violence to erupt out of this. So a lot of backlash, a lot of emotional stunts. Then Todd Phillips went on a speaking tour for three months and talked about how uh, woke culture is ruining art. So I thought when I went in to see this movie, wow, this is the most <laughs> provocative, inflammatory movie I've seen 
uh, I'm going to see in years. And then the greatest joke of all, it was just the most boring movie I've seen in years that had nothing Hmm. of substance to say. So really, it felt like a two hour equivalent of uh, someone playing the song Creep by Radiohead at me uh how i just didn't understand and how you know i the joker's a weirdo he doesn't fit in but it really just it lacked substance i i think it really doesn't have anything of substance to to say so uh that's my opening argument here's the, the kind of thing i'll say about the joker being nominated i don't i don't disagree with a lot of what you said I think the the thing that the Joker has going for it is that at least it's controversial. Like at least people have opinions about it. At least people are are thinking about it. And I mean, I I, I really hate to reduce the movie to this, but because it's so derivative of better movies like Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, I think Joker could be a movie that leads someone to stumbling across some actual great films, which I know doesn't make the movie any better, but I think that's a very real possibility. I don't think controversial means thought provoking or good. I think controversial no. means controversial. You know, if uh, I once had a professor in college say, you know, what makes someone drawing a picture of a penis on a bathroom stall less artful than the plays we're going to write in this class? And you can make that juvenile argument, right? Like you right, can right. say that. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it isn't high art. For me, the no. Joker is obsessed with the notion of its own audacity. Like, uh, it, I'm an unpleasant movie, so I'm being artistically courageous. Right. That's not that's just so empty to me. That's not true. You sure, can be and- provocative, but it doesn't mean there's uh, anything being said. I think we have similar problems. Well, not totally similar problems. I think one of my big problems with The Irishman is it really does feel like Scorsese playing his greatest hits and his greatest hits just aren't that good in 2019 in that he has, you know, his usual guys in the movie. And I know everybody's nominated for best actor, but with the exception of Pesci, nobody gives a believable performance it's De Niro doing De Niro it's Pacino doing Pacino and we haven't seen Pesci in a while so when Pesci's doing Pesci and you know granted he's not horrible it's still like well I haven't seen that in a while the Irishman is three hours and 20 minutes long I see a director who nobody can tell him no because he was saying it took him 10 years to get the Irishman made and so I have to look at this movie and say Well, maybe there's a reason people weren't making it like Scorsese. You're a great filmmaker. Like, but is he at a point where he can't take corrections from people? Is he at a point where there's not an effective system of checks and balances that's like stopping him from just being mindlessly indulgent with his properties? Here's what I got to say, though. You you, to quote your what you said, this is Scorsese's greatest hits. I'd much rather watch the greatest hit of, of the guy who made Raging Bull than the greatest hit of the guy who gave us Road Trip Old School and The Hangover. Uh, See, Joker I- is just a, an exercise in, in another bro movie. It's a movie for bros that's passing itself off as intellectual, whereas yours may be the you know familiar fare of someone who's made some of the best movies of all time. But I think even that would uh, be a better movie than what The Joker ended up being. See, I'll, I'll say of The Joker, the the one thing that I think it has going for it is that even though he doesn't totally succeed, Todd Phillips seems like 
he's trying. And I feel like he's trying to do Scorsese's greatest hits. So I see a filmmaker who's trying to establish his own voice, who's trying to separate himself from his previous work and move in a new direction, which like you said, like he's talking about woke culture in a, in a negative way. So maybe that's not the, the best way for him to be going, but I would much rather see a young hungry filmmaker who's, you know, maybe it doesn't work or maybe it's failing, but who's at least starting to try new things than see Scorsese just turn in a worse version of a much, much worse version of Goodfellas and Casino in a movie that, like I said, it's there are entire sequences in this film where nothing happens and it's boring. And you know, what's funny is people keep telling me like, yeah, but the fact that the movie's boring is part of what makes the movie good in that it's representative of this guy's life. I was like, no, that's that's bad filmmaking. I really don't think we can give out gold stars or cookies for trying if we're talking about what's a movie that deserves to be honored by, you know, the Academy for an Oscar like that. That just doesn't hold water for me. OK, uh, when you say that Todd Phillips is trying to say something, I think he is trying to half say many things but uh, isn't able to, to say anything. For me, my biggest problem is you can't have it both ways. Uh, you can't have a story about a mentally ill person's descent into madness end with a coherent speech where he becomes a mouthpiece for the director's thoughts on woke culture. Sure. You don't you don't get to have it both ways. So I, I just think it's a predictable, cliched derivative of other better movies. It's overwritten to the point of self-parody and you don't get bonus points for trying really hard and being overly stylized and overwritten. Sure. And and I think my my big thing when when we're talking about trying, though, is I again with with the Irishman, I see a filmmaker who is at a, and it's weird because, you know, I thought that silence from Scorsese was pretty good. His, his last couple movies like Hugo, I thought was really good. I thought he was at a point where he was still gonna, you know, keep on being innovative. He was going to keep trying new things and to see him do this movie, which feels so familiar from Scorsese, which feels like such a, a good copy in so many ways to me. It's just, it's baffling that a movie like that gets nominated and the only reason that it's there is because it is a Martin Scorsese movie. That's I really believe that's the only reason that anybody watched it, which is frustrating to me. Like I said, when there's movies like Uncut Gems that members of the Academy did not watch because they're like, oh, it's the Adam Sandler movie or they didn't watch Hustlers because they're like, oh, it's the movie in a strip club with J-Lo. And they didn't watch, you know, The Farewell because they're like, oh, well, half the movie's in another language and it's an American film. See, I think what you're saying, though, is your issues are more with the Academy than with the film itself. You're but really bringing up a lot of your frustration with people's approaches to uh, going to the movies rather than the movie Scorsese made. Right. Fellas. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to move on here. <laughs> right. Final arguments. Final art. Yes. Any final thoughts here on the first category? Sure. I mentioned that there's there's really two questions. One is what's the worst movie? And the second question is what deserves to be here less? I, I think even if The Irishman were a worse movie than it is, it would still not be offensive and dangerous the way the Joker is. Joker, it sees Arthur's transformation into a mass murderer as inevitable. 
that it's not a choice, that it's something the world does to him. So as a result of that passiveness, it's really just a string of ridiculous, mean indignities that happen to the central character, which to me, I think feels like an insulting portrayal of mental illness. You know, it was Susan Sontag who said, mental illness isn't metaphor. It's not a movie. It's not a story. It's using mental illness in a way that I think is inappropriate and uh, victimizing of people who actually suffer from that. The movie also is incredibly cruel to women. Uh, mm. The only two women yeah. who are in the movie, uh, he kills, uh, right? And they're the cause of all his woes. And it's really just not interested in hearing a female perspective. So again, I think this movie, even if it didn't inspire, you know, the acts of violence that were warned about, it has a dangerous message that is harmful potentially to a lot of men out there uh, who feel left behind, who feel abandoned by society, who are looking for something to blame. Uh, so I think it's an irresponsible movie as well as an empty movie. So that that's my closing thoughts on Joker. Zach, I'll say I approach this question 100 percent from what doesn't deserve to be here. And when I watch a movie like The Irishman, which feels so familiar and so dull and ultimately lifeless from very, very talented people, it frustrates me because when I watch that, I see, you know, the three or four other movies that should be there instead. And I know that the only reason The Irishman is there is because of the names attached to it, like Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci. I know that that's why that movie's there. The The thing I'll say about Joker is that at least you have Joaquin Phoenix to latch on to. At least you have him there. And for me, I would take a movie that makes me feel something that makes me um, speak up about it, that gets some kind of emotion out of me rather than a movie that has nothing for me to latch on to that ultimately just feels dull, repetitive, and is standing in place of other very worthy films. All right. I got to give a uh, passion to Zach. I feel like he presented his argument very well. I feel like Mitch though had the best content yeah. and I think that to me is what stuck out the most. I feel like the way Mitch ended his final argument is kind of how I felt about your arguments. Zach feels like the Irishman was not good by any means, but just okay. And Mitch is saying that there are actually real egregious problems with the Joker and it's dangerous. Right. So I feel like based on that, I have to give it to Mitch. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Next, we will move on to the category for best male and female actor. Mitch, why don't you get us started with your selections? Yeah, this is going to sound funny after my last argument, but I chose Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker. What? His performance is so good. He makes you think that movie is about something. And that really rests on what Joaquin is doing. He is bringing so much to really terrible dialogue. Uh, I shared <laughs> on Facebook the other day, you know, there's a line where he has to say, they think we won't werewolf and go mad. And he delivers it with conviction. That scene is some a scene that will keep you on the edge of your seat. I was genuinely uncomfortable uh, watching it. So Joker's a bad movie. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but Joaquin Phoenix is giving one of the better performances of his career, certainly the best performance of the year and movies this year. Zach, for me, it's Adam Driver and Marriage Story. 
And I think that Adam Driver delivers an incredibly complex yet uh, nuanced character. He plays a character that you're expecting to be almost the villain of the story in some ways. And in the hands of a weaker actor, that would have happened. And when I look at this movie, I see a great movie that is filled with great, terrific, amazing performances. And I think that Adam Driver manages to be the best performance in the movie. His portrayal of Charlie is the best thing about that very amazing, great movie. And I think Adam Driver is the only actor who could play that role. I look at some of these other categories and I think, well, this actor might have been good. This actor might have been good. I really think Adam Driver is the only guy who could pull this off. And I actually think not only of the year, I think that this is one of the best performances of the decade. Can we jump in? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So to push back immediately, I really disagree with the idea that another actor couldn't step into the role of guy getting divorced. That feels to me like a doable script. And he had the support of, you know, Noah Baumbach, amazing, amazing director, a great script. And and it feels like it could have been uh, played by lots of great actors. Uh, I, I really, I really disagree because I think that he's able to take that performance and he's able to make it so unique to to himself that he's playing it in i'm not saying no other actor could do it well but i'm saying the way that he chooses to play things the way that he chooses to deliver some of his lines is in a way that i just don't see any other actor doing like one of the big things in this movie is that he'll say something and you as an audience member won't like what he says like there's a scene when he's trying to get his son to go and he yells at at his kid he goes like just get in the car and then he like takes a minute and you as the audience go that was too far and he goes like look i'm sorry but just get in the car and you're immediately like i understand where you're coming from there's the there's the famous scene that's been parodied to death where he he screams at at scarlett johansson and i was just like After that scene, I said, there is nothing that this character can do that's going to make me empathize with him again. And just the way that Adam Driver crumbles on the ground after that crying without even like saying anything. I watched that scene and I was just like, he is so good that he can take me on this emotional roller coaster. Like what a magnificent performance. Yeah, and uh, I'm not saying this is a detriment to what he was able to do in the film. But yeah, just that comment of, you know, other people couldn't be slotted in. That scene that's been parodied on the Internet, uh, mm-hmm. it's being parodied because uh, every MFA uh, acting student in America has done a version of that scene of two married people screaming at each other. I think what Driver brings to it uh, is in- insanely human. Right. Sure, and we yeah, should give yeah. him credit for that. Absolutely. I think where it falls short for me compared to Joker, though, is uh, it it isn't virtuosic uh, and unsettling and it doesn't require as much. I mean, when you think of we've had five iterations of the Joker sure. in the last couple decades uh, and what Joaquin had to overcome just to make something palatable, uh, right. because there was definitely a large part of the Internet. Uh, and definitely I felt this way. Do we really need more of this character? Why are we making more of this content? So for, for him to step in, uh, especially into the shoes of Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, uh, and to go toe to toe with some of the great actors like that and bring something not only that was uh, comparable, but something that was 
unique, utterly unique, uh, not borrowing from those other performances in any way. Uh, he really uh, leaned into his own thing, which I thought was incredible. Even just something as small as the laugh. I thought to myself, I've heard so many bad uh, Joker video game laughs uh, because <laughs> everyone's trying to imitate others or find their unique spin. And by making the choice of he's trying to suppress it and he's in pain when he's laughing, it it brought life to those moments. So I thought Joaquin made some incredible choices that really elevated some bad source material uh, into really memorable source material. Sure. Any, uh, any final thoughts on best actor? Any final thoughts? I would say of, of Joker that, you, you know, Mitch, you brought up at the beginning that he is the best part of that. Joaquin is the best part of this very bad movie. And while I think that you know, Joaquin gives a good performance, I think to be the, the best part of a bad movie and to make people think that the movie is good is definitely, you know, it's not it's nothing to sneeze at. But I, for me, for Adam Driver to, you know, like you said, Mitch, how many times have we seen this character? How many times, how many movies are there about this? And I think that, you know, this is the type of movie that maybe a lot of people wouldn't watch. And I see people who are going to watch it because, you know, they know who he is a little bit more. They know they know the actors and people who would usually tune out. I see them relating with his character, even though his character, you know, says some things and does some things where, you know, it's a very, like I said at the beginning, a very emotionally complex. He doesn't do things perfectly. He's not, you know, he's by no means the hero. He's a three dimensional, well thought out character. And I just want to bring up one scene in the movie that calls on Adam driver to, I feel really hit a home run. And he does the scene where he sings, uh, being alive from company just towards the end of the movie, how it's just that one shot on him. And I feel like, you know, it's Adam driver bringing an incredible vulnerability to, you know, to just the way that he's singing, the way that he's moving, just the nuance of his performance. And again, like people talk, like probably the clip that they're going to play is him screaming at Scarlett Johansson. But for me, it's the quiet moments. It's the way that like, he'll just look down after somebody says something or the way that he can't look at somebody after, you know, the way he can't look at Scarlett Johansson or the way that, you know, he greets her, her mother. It's all the little things that he does in that movie that make it such a terrific, memorable performance. And for me, Joker doesn't have little things. I think it has a lot of volume. Yeah. So, again, I I really wouldn't say anything negative about uh, Adam Driver's performance. I think he gives uh, a great performance from what I've seen of it. But I just think the choices that I've seen and the clips that I've seen uh, Driver making, uh, they seem logical to me. They seem like good choices, but they're they're not surprising to me in any way or brave or memorable. And the way that Joaquin's performance really had moments that just stood out to me. Uh, the scene where he is dancing in the bathroom for, for reasons that really defy explanation. Uh, but there seems to be something going on there that draws you in. Uh, I left the theater chewing on what was going on and what was he what was he doing? Why did he make that choice? Uh, and he was so utterly absorbed in it uh, that, again, uh, he really is selling this this performance. Uh, I think that there's just more going on. So it's it's hard to compare the two. Uh, but I think Joaquin is bringing a fragility like he does in some of his other roles to it. But there's also bravado. And then he's chillingly still in some moments where I'm, I'm frightened. 
uh, of what I'm seeing, which isn't easy to do anymore. I think one of the arguments the movie is trying to make is how desensitized we are to violence. And for Joaquin to frighten me the way he does and then turn around and be bizarrely funny and then filled with rage and, and strange you know, whiplashes. Uh, I just think his performance is a really interesting uh, nuanced, and, and there's a, just a lot to chew on in it. So I applaud him for the bravery of his choices. Well, I think both of you did a great job laying out your points. Uh, a lot of passion for Mitch. I feel like uh, what really convinced me about what Zach had to say was all of the all of the small things that brought Charlie to life in A Marriage Story by Adam Driver. I think Joker comes ready-made in a lot of ways. This is a character that is built and it's easy to do it would be easy to do it bad, but I think you I think it would be a whole lot harder to kind of bring this character to life like from scratch, you know, and so I'm going to give this one to Zach. Let's move on to best actress. So for best actress, I went with Saoirse Ronan from Little Women. And I was thinking, how many movies have we seen about writers who don't want to get married? We, we've seen that a million times in movies. It's boring. It's a trope that's super played out. So when I was going into Little Women, I was worried that Sorcerer Ronan wasn't going to be able to deliver a compelling character. And I feel as though I was drastically wrong. I feel like in this iteration of Little Women, Sorcerer Ronan brings a fiery energy to this performance that doesn't feel show offy. That feels very natural. And even when the movie drags, because it's not a perfect movie, there's some slower scenes. She's still interesting. I don't I don't feel like she ever overacts. There's for lack of a better term. There's never that Oscar moment in the movie for me from her where she's like, you know, going so big and, you know, get look at me, Academy. But I think that this movie, her performance is honest in a way that the cinema audience adores and relates to. And at the end of the day, I think my favorite thing about this performance is that I can see uh, a young lady or a young woman watching this movie and potentially think, oh, you know, I think a career in acting or, you know, maybe I want to become an actress. And I, I think that that's cool. Uh, how many movies have we seen? <laughs> I love that, that you started that way. How many movies <laughs> have we seen where actors are wearing prosthetics and, and singing and portraying well-known uh, historical figures? Uh, my choice is uh, Renee Zellweger and Judy. Yeah, you know, it <laughs> is the type of movie I like to make fun of. It has all the Oscar pieces there. And when my mom and sister rented it on the Redbox, I audibly groaned and I rolled my eyes. I don't want to see this Oscar Beatty movie. And I was incredibly surprised to find uh, really one of the most human depictions of the results of, uh, you know, drug dependency, the the terrible road that, um, you know, telling a, a small child that they're not enough and that they have to follow these rules to be thinner, uh, where that leads. I think it uh, is a familiar story, but I, th I think that's a story that gets bungled so much and it's one of the first times i've seen it handled with grace and with nuance and it all is because of what renee zellweger does she she brings a lot of layers to it uh there's moments where she's uh bringing uh sass and she's uh fun and she's smart and then 
uh, a scene later, she's unable to walk out on stage because of her incredible anxiety. And for her to portray all of those things back to back and uh, really flesh out uh, this character, uh, I think it's impressive. Rebuttals. I don't think it's impressive. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I, I, I do think that that's... Uh... Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I I think again for me the the thing that I that I was I talked about a little bit earlier the thing I really like about the way that Sorceronin portrays Joe is I love again I was talking about the fiery energy that that she brings to her in a way where you you see it, it's really does a good job of show don't tell where you get to see how much she loves her sisters and you get to see how much she she loves her family and you know she's she's surrounded by by a really excellent cast and i feel like you know having to kind of lead the charge on a movie like little women when you have a, a cast like you know florence Pugh, laura dern emma watson you know timothy chalamet i feel like that's not an easy you know task because you have just these magnificent actors on set and somehow i feel like she's just doing a great job of of leading the charge with all of them I think that'd be my crit- not criticism, but my knock against yours, though. It, it, she's a great actress in a movie of great actresses. Uh, mm. Most of the time I'm hearing Florence Pugh uh, yeah. as a more likely contender for best who, in that movie. So who is not on this list, so I could not pick her. But <laughs> Sure. Yeah. But <laughs> right. I, I think that's what I'm saying. She's sure, sure. she's like a second choice in that movie. I'm, I think, picking uh, someone who owns her movie. She she. The movie is just about Renee Zellweger. Right, she, right. There are very few characters in it. She has to carry the whole two hours. And just based on what you'd said in the last round of judging, uh, Brandon, I want to bring up an elephant in the room. I think sometimes when you're playing a character based on a real figure mm. uh, and the uh, I think there's an assumption that there's a frame to work with and that that's somehow easier. I think that could not be further from the truth uh, because it's a coffin uh, for many actors mm. where they feel mm. like they have to um directly uh you know be exactly uh mirroring the mannerisms of the person they're portraying uh, i think the best performances that i've seen where someone's portraying a real life figure uh they're really getting the essence of the person but they're just living in their skin it's different you think of joaquin phoenix as johnny cash he's not doing a johnny cash impression uh, right yeah, he's yeah. getting the essence of who he was sure. that's what renee is doing here right uh, when she there's a scene early in the movie where they close up on her face and she has to sing a song for four minutes on no breaks right, right. it's a much like adam song. driver in marriage story yes yes sure but yeah. <laughs> this is her portraying judy garland right, right? so right, there's right. greater expectation it isn't a you know a random character it's you're portraying one of the greatest singers of all time one of the most celebrated singers of all time uh so sh- there's an expectation for her to sound like judy garland and to mimic her in that way i was really surprised by her choice she didn't mimic judy garland she sang like renee zellweger uh, but what she did was express the emotion of the scene in a way that felt true uh, which made her singing actually uh, seem much more natural and it was it was beautifully acted i was captivated uh, because she chose to uh, kind of take it her her own way right I, i feel like when we're talking about framework uh, I was a little surprised at how precious the character of Joe was to people. I I think I really underestimated how it, the following that little woman has and that role right. of Joe is just such a lived in role and such a it's a role that's loved by so many people. So I think for 
for Sorcerer Ronan to bring her own voice to the character to me is is really impressive. And, you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of that does admittedly have to go into Gerwig's writing. But I feel like Gerwig knows how to write for Sorcerer and how to uh, direct her. So I feel like her performance is I, I think I what I see with it is not just the performance, which you, you can knock me for this. I, I don't know. But what I see is the give and take is I see an actress who's able to work with a collaborator uh, very well. And, you know, sometimes when I look at these movies, I see actors or actresses who are good regardless of the director or regardless of the script like you know how we talked about with Joaquin Phoenix where he's better than that movie and I think what I like about the Little Women performance is that it kind of shows a collaboration in which someone can can set the ball for somebody else to knock it out of the park again I just any uh, closing yeah any final thoughts on best actress yeah, again, I just want to bring to light, though, the, the tremendous weight on Renee Zellweger's shoulders. Uh, she has to get me to care about a story I feel like I've seen before. And early on, she really humanizes. Uh, why would Judy make these ridiculous decisions? Oh, well, she's she's doing these things for her family. But she has this uh, incredible uh, bag of trauma that she's carrying with her everywhere she goes. So even the moments when she's seemingly happy and upbeat, uh, there's tinges of trauma in her performance. Things that might annoy me in other performances, facial tics uh, and twitches. She's doing a lot with her her mouth movements in this because she was an alcoholic. They really uh, bring to life uh, those tiny decisions really bring to life, I think, why uh, Judy made the choices she did and who she was and, and why she was so tortured. So uh, I just I really think she she holds the movie together. Uh, it's one woman carrying an, an entire story of a really historic person. Uh, and she brings so much humanity to it that it would just seem silly to me not to to give her the the win on this one. Not for our fight, but for the Oscar. When I went to go see Little Women, I went with a couple of the guys from church and admittedly when I brought them, they were kicking and screaming on their way in. I don't want to see this little women movie like it doesn't look good to me. It looks lame. And by the end of the movie, they were audibly cheering and like clapping for Joe. And they were like really rooting for and loving this character. And I think that a lot of that is that Sorcerer Ronan is able to bring us on this character's journey in a way that's really uh, cool and and unique also in that if you were to break it, if you were to break down all the characters, hers is the character who wants to write and not get married, which, you know, it's very easy to play that character in a way that, you know, may come off as annoying to some or, you know, a character that may come off as a little bit dull or not that compelling. But I feel like Sorsha is just such a talented and gifted and natural actress that she's able to bring the audience into her world and to really get you to see the movie through her eyes. So uh, Little Women is actually one of the movies I did see, and I thought it was excellent, largely uh, in part because of uh, Sorsha's performance. She was fantastic. I think, though, for the purposes of this argument, I think what really caught me was Mitch uh, walking out the ways in which this role was extremely complex and the layers and the um, detail. The, uh, I did not see Judy. I have not seen it, but it sounds like uh, Renee 
was very detailed in her performance and went to a, a lot of effort. And based on that, I'm giving the point to Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> Zach is a is a gracious winner, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> done there's much more debating to be had check back tomorrow for part two of our oscar debate it should be a thrilling conclusion also if you haven't already we have some exciting oscary type things happening on our facebook page right now including a yankee swap oscar bracket so hop on over there and cast your votes all right we'll see you next time